Welcome to another episode of Seven Questions, the podcast by Seven Capital that aims to bust through the myths and drill down into everything property investment. My name's Sarah Morris, and in today's episode, we're going to be looking into where the best places to invest in property are going to be for 2021 and beyond. As we all know, location is one of the most important considerations when it comes to buying property as a home buyer and as a landlord. And when you come to invest in property as a landlord, it's important that the property you buy is in a location where there is growing sustainable demand from renters and where there is forecast to be solid growth over the long term. So to talk to us about this today is Nick Whitten, Head of UK Living Research at JLL. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Sarah. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure, believe me. Okay, so before we get into the nitty gritty of locations, let's just look at why it might be important to review your investments, particularly as we approach the new financial year. Absolutely. So I guess the first point to note here is we would always encourage people to to regularly review their investments, their investment strategy overall. Uh, and the important sub point there is it's always good to have a strategy. Um, and we would always encourage when it comes to investing in property to adopt a long term strategy to ensure that you are aligning to something specific, some kind of employment uh, or some kind of geography that that works for you but yes regularly always good to take a step back check that the the landscape hasn't changed so significantly that your your strategy ha- is therefore in, in need of a rethink so the financial year is always a pretty good time to do that obviously um key fiscal events occur the budget um in the uk occurs in march uh, and then you'll see many regulatory changes around uh, what might happen to taxation and things like that so it's always a good time after then to to be looking at how your how your investments are working for you and whether whether any tweaks or changes are needed. Okay, great. Okay, so let's go into looking at the state of the market then, because obviously you've mentioned you know things can change. Um, so, what is the state of the market after the first quarter this year, after the first three months of twenty twenty one? Of course as well as Brexit and the ongoing COVID-19 situation. What are we looking at at the moment? Well, in many ways, um, what has been occurring in terms of the housing market is is kind of confounding economic commentators. um, Because effectively, we've seen a record GDP contraction in the UK. GDP fell by about 10% in 2020. Unemployment doubled. and we went through some some monumental changes to our to our freedom to through the the lockdowns that had to occur as a result of covid and what you would have expected to see with with that kind of level of um change in behavior and change in economic activity you'd have expected to see a contraction in terms of housing values um slowing of of transaction volumes um but actually house prices are at record highs and and growth has been um Phenomenal house price growth of 8.5% across the UK in 2020, um, which is actually higher than the levels we were seeing just before the EU referendum in mid-2016. So 
there's been a much stronger housing market performance and that's because of a few factors um firstly there's been several elements of positive government support policy positive policies uh, the likes of the stamp duty holiday uh, and also the furlough job protection scheme which has meant that there's been very little actual distress in the housing market and then perhaps most importantly there's also been a change in what people need from their homes our homes are now more important to us in many ways than ever before and perhaps one of the few certainties we can actually take from from Brexit and property generally is that homes are are the one thing that we need more and will continue to need more going forward. We've changed how we work, um, we've changed how we play, but we haven't changed the fact that we need a place to live. Um, and so, so housing is obviously becoming more important to us and, and will continue to stay that way going forward. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's really, it, it's a really good point. You know, we don't, we aren't going to change that everyone needs a place to live. In fact, we don't have enough supply across the UK, um, which is one of the most important things for investors, isn't it? OK, so we we know that there's always going to be that need, um, but you've just talked about how needs change. So from that point, from an investor's point of view, how important then is it to kind of diversify, diversify your locations that you're kind of buying into? Um, I guess to minimise any risk of, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, I suppose. Yeah, well, we would always encourage um, the benefits of a, a geographical diversification strategy, investment strategy. Uh, as you say, probably no better way than just put to avoid putting all your eggs in one basket. But perhaps more than ever, this is really important now because... There is a multi-speed recovery occurring. There's a, a varying level of effect from from COVID on the um, on the UK and to a lesser extent Brexit. Brexit has become very much a secondary issue, if 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 an issue at all now in the face of COVID and what that's done to to the way we live. Um, but if you think that and believe and and we and we we would argue that it's very much likely to be the case that there will be a change in how we work and how we live. Uh, there'll be, there's going to be a very much a, you know, much signposted leveling up agenda in the UK government's going to invest more, more funds, more time into rebalancing the economy. This means that different parts of the country are going to be in line for different speeds of performance. Um, so again, if you diversify your strategy, you should be well-placed to benefit from all those different locations. And when it's their time, in the sun, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it, it couldn't be more important than it is now to, to be thinking in that in that way. OK, great. OK, so following on from that, then um, we're talking about diversifying. So everyone's looking to invest again this year or next year. You you at JLL, you do a lot of research. Um, so according to kind of your latest research, particularly with everything that's gone on for the last kind of 12 months, even the last three months, I guess. Um, where would you say are some of the top locations that we're looking at at the moment? Okay, well, first of all, I would, I would argue that cities are still the, 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 the safest and most secure investment locations across the UK. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a 30-year period of urbanisation, which has meant that our cities have grown uh, more significantly than, than non-urban areas. 
and the government's stated aim uh, for the housing market going forward is to to channel housing investment uh, and and effectively lead to a a housing led regeneration across 20 major cities across the UK so largely speaking the 20 largest urban areas in the UK are the places that the UK government are going to want to see grow and perform well now our our research typically ends up bucketing locations into slightly more established locations and then slightly more um secondary high high slightly higher risk but probably potential for higher reward locations um broadly speaking the most established locations are the are london and the big six cities across the country um and these are established urban economic heartlands that will will perform well once we reopen for business people will return to those cities particularly the young and the ambitious will will want to get back into doing business face-to-face activity driving cultural and leisure um hubs within those locations so these these are these are some of the best places if, if we want to start talking about names um you know the safest investment locations in in the uk would be london manchester birmingham edinburgh and bristol um mm-hmm. slightly further up the the curve uh, of of risk but still giving very solid re- return risk re- reward um ratios would be your kind of glasgow's leeds liverpool's um cardiff's that that sort of location yeah so those those okay. probably are best bets. Okay, brilliant. And it's really important and interesting actually that you've mentioned, you know, once we start reopening, um, people are going to want to come back to those cities. Because I know there's been a lot of talk recently about because of the pandemic and because of changing needs, people have moved out of the cities. But I guess it's the question there, I suppose, is how long is that going to last? Because I know person from personal experience, I've lived in the city. Um for in the middle of Birmingham for the last 10, 15 years. And whilst lockdown can be a little bit frustrating, there's nowhere, once things open up, I want to be close to the office. I want to be interacting with people. So I guess, do you think that's going to be, that's going to be quite widespread? We we definitely don't think that there will actually be a wholesale people running for the hills, quite literally speaking. There is going to be some changes for some people. And and if you want, the great thing about what COVID has done is it's um, it's opened our eyes to technological advancements that were already in, in place, that already existed. The ability to work remotely, to work flexibly um, has actually opened a world of opportunity for people that want to use that that for for their for as part of their working week. But what we don't believe is that we'll all move to home working five days a week in living in, in the countryside. Firstly, yeah. there isn't the availability of housing in, in those areas to, to provide homes for everyone. And secondly, people do want access to social, social aspects of life. We are social creatures after all. And there are as- aspects of our working week that require us to be in, in social environments. Collaborative working is, is, is far better in a physical environment Perhaps project-based work is is maybe better suited to a, a quieter environment. If you need to get your head down and write something, then yeah, maybe working from home is is the right place to do it. So, naturally speaking, there there may well be a rush back to the office when we can all go and back to the centres for a period of time. 
And then we think there'll probably be a period of time where people settle on the right balance for them. And, and, and the future is is most definitely a hybrid working week for those that are fortunate mm-hmm. enough to be able to do that. Uh, where the balance falls is down to individual circumstances, one, two, three days at home or one, two, three days in the office, yeah. whatever suits really. Of course. Okay, now going back to kind of, you, you've been talking about cities being really key. Um, do you foresee regional cities continuing to perform during the London recovery? Because I know we've seen London's taken a bit of a hit, particularly across the pandemic, but now there's a lot of talk about London recovering. We're starting to see more growth happen within the capital. So we know also regional cities have kind of benefited from London, you know, kind of flailing a little bit. So do you foresee regional cities continuing to perform at the kind of the same rate, a higher rate um, against London's recovery as well? To, to a certain extent, I, I think that the, um, the relationship between London and the regional cities may have, um, may have decoupled slightly. Um, and actually, in some respects, that, that's probably been the desire of, of the UK government, the, the idea of creating a northern powerhouse in, out of Manchester or the combined Greater Manchester conglomeration. Um, the, the hope is always been that we would have separate key strong performing um, urban areas, economic hubs. And to a certain extent, that has some of the signs have started to, to show that that's happening, um, particularly Manchester and Birmingham are seeing great, great renaissance within their within their urban areas. Lots of lots of development, lots of cranes, lots of activity. And they are firmly on the map of, of inter, international investors as well now. Um, London, London will always be strong. London is, uh, is one of the established world cities, if not the, the most, the de facto world capital. JLL has a, a cities research centre. And we have London ranked as the, the uh, world capital city. And particularly, it's strong for talent and innovation but it, it, it attracts people from all walks of life because it's a hub for so many different things, uh, cultural hub, leisure hub, um, a tourism hub, um, an administrative hub. It's got, it's got a lot going for it, financial and, and digital. To a certain extent, the, the regional cities of the UK are uh, perhaps more strong for specific uh, types of activity. Manchester is a, a, a communications and media hub uh, Birmingham has finance and, and legal services. Um, maybe one of the, the hopes, one of the aims is to try and add a few more strings to the bows of, of the different regional locations. But in terms of look, in terms of the next few years, they, they remain strong and attractive. And it's back to the previous point. Diversifying the strategy is the most important aim. OK, brilliant. Um, so we've, we've, we've talked about kind of established markets because i think we can safely say birmingham and manchester are pretty established now aren't they um but we have seen over recent years kind of more emerging markets um which aren't necessarily cities but i guess we're looking specifically around the commuter belt um most likely um around the outskirts of london but other kind of off it um pockets of uh, maybe urban areas and towns and cities that maybe weren't particularly on the map or radar of any investors previously, but they're starting to come out and they're starting to see a lot more investment. If you're an investor, what would you 
say in terms of should they be looking at established markets? Um, is that the safest bet or should they be, you know, looking at more emerging locations or does it again just come down to diversification? Well, there, there are sort of two sides to this answer because um, the, the the more general answer that is always applicable um, is essentially your appetite around the appetite for risk and reward. So, um, if an investor wants to take a safe uh, route in terms of their investment, um, but in return accept a slightly lower return, then you know the established markets are the way to go. They will always be strong. They will always be relevant. So buying a, a home effectively in a Manchester, a Birmingham or a London will will almost always be a relevant investment because the demand supply imbalance is so acute in those those larger economies. Um, but if you want to take if you want to chase a slightly higher return and your appetite for risk is, is a little bit more uh, is there, you're happy to do that, then, you know, looking to some of the less established locations is, is, is the way to go. Perhaps always important to think about the strategy that you're adopting. You know, perhaps you want to identify a place that has a university or a specific employment mm-hmm. um, proposition that, that feels right to, to the investor. So that, therefore, that's, that's one way to go. So that's, that's kind of part one of the answer. The other part is back to the COVID story and how, how have things changed? Um, and actually is there likely to be a change in where people want to live slightly? And is there going to be a slightly, a slightly balancing of demand? Um, and undoubtedly, there is an element of that. Um, we've been talking about a potential suburbanization story starting to occur and, and some of the, the hinterlands of some of these big cities, be it suburbs or even commuter towns, will they are seeing an increase in demand. Uh, people are looking for some people at the right stage of their life are looking for a bit more space um perhaps that that extra bedroom in which to work in or the yeah. uh the garden those kind of things that have become more important to us through covid but i would also argue that the people who are if you want driving that demand are people who would have already naturally been likely to have made those kind of moves there's a sort of a bunching of that midlife stage demand where people typically look for a move away from the city what's happened yeah. through covid is that group plus a few either side of them who would have done it anyway are also looking so let's say normally it's the 30 to 35 age group it's become the kind of the 28 to 38 age group that are looking in that in that concept so yeah there's those two elements to it okay all right um, okay, so let's go back to my um, point right from the beginning, because we've looked at location. I think we've got a lot from that. Um, a couple of the really important considerations for investors, particularly when they're buying a property, is looking at capital growth and the potential for rental yields. So, again, looking at locations, do you have a kind of indication of where you think is going to be best for capital growth and where you think is going to be best for rental yields? Because we know that they can actually be two very different places. Yeah, they can no, very much so. So our so our forecasts um, show that the best well we we expect the best capital growth returns to occur in um, in Birmingham and Edinburgh, um, two of the most established regional cities in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Edinburgh suffers from an acute 
supply demand imbalance it's very difficult to effectively build new housing within within edinburgh city center um and yet the demand for living there remains very strong um birmingham has many of um many kind of infrastructure drivers fundamentals that are, are driving the growth of the city um hs2 uh, yeah. the commonwealth games um these are things that are increasing demand on that location. Um, so th those would be our top picks for capital value growth. You probably could add to that now um, some of the lesser fancied suburbs of big locations like London, um, where previously people might have looked at how close are they to a tube station? How quickly could they commute into the centre? Uh, mm -hmm. There's a change now where people, because they will only be commuting in two, three, four days a week, we'll prepare to sacrifice some of that commuting convenience, perhaps more like a 25, 30 minute walk um, in the knowledge they're doing it less times a week, which actually opens yeah. up some lesser fancied locations where you perhaps your money goes a little bit further and you can buy a slightly bigger property. So those, those are the places for capital value growth. In terms of rental yields, um, really the, the the best bets are are the kind of the secondary locations um okay. that are typically a bit lower on on entry cost um so maybe you're talking your kind of sort of glasgow's cardiff's leeds liverpool those type of cities uh, but still benefit from very strong rental demand uh, have very active student populations young professional populations um rental Rental ratios, if you want, of overall housing of well, well over 50 percent, 60, 65 percent of all the housing in the centre of those cities are, is rental housing. And yeah. and as I say, so it's, it's cheaper on the way in um, and, and so probably better overall in terms of a, a rental yield, if that's the priority, if that's what the investor is chasing. OK, and just um, just quickly on kind of identifying somewhere that's um, great for rental yields, what are the kind of key drivers that you would say to to look for in terms of identifying that demand um so you've mentioned universities and i guess kind of commuter i guess it would be um the proximity or the access to kind of transport yeah so it's it's, it's those key ingredients it's how what is the employment base or the the, the lifestyle base for for the, the majority of renters in that location how diverse is it? So yeah. how many different industries or employers are, are driving people to that location? Um, as you say, how easily can you get around the city? How livable is that city? Um, is, it, uh, is it good transport infrastructure? Is there nice access yeah, to, to parkland, um, to, to leisure, uh, restaurants, things that will keep people happy living in that location? So all of those factors are, are really important um, as to determining, you know, is, is this is this the right place to be to be thinking about buying buying a home? I think additional things to think about that might give an extra layer to a strategy is to to look at um, direction of travel for these locations as well. Is there any policy statements from government or the local authority that show a statement of intent? Uh, there's going to be a new train line coming in or a the hosting of a, a big event or um, significant investment into a specific location within that within that city, a regeneration area, something like that. They drive those things drive real change and dr make a place much more livable and and effectively 
create the opportunity to invest in something that over the long term will will deliver a, a good return for an investor. Brilliant. Okay, and then this kind of leads onto our. It doesn't lead straight into this question, but it's a question I need to ask. Um, so we've kind of covered a lot of ground in terms of location and diversification. Um, there's just one more thing which I think is important to look at, and it's um, and it's specific mostly to overseas investors because we know it's not just people in the UK that buy in the UK. The UK is renowned globally as a great place to invest in property. Um, but we do have an overseas surcharge come into play from April 2021. Um, do you think this will change investment into previously popular locations? Do you think it will have an effect? So it's, um, it's, it's an interesting one. Obviously, it's been signposted for quite a while now. Um, it was announced in the budget last year, um, just over a year ago, that this this surcharge would come into effect it's the the first time in the uk that we'll have had a a disproportionate tax um, or a differential tax for a domestic investor versus an overseas investor some other um some of the countries have had that in play for a lot longer um and, and our analysis shows that um we looked at the uh, we looked. We took a. We took an, a million pound threshold as a as a, a potential level to analyze, and we looked at if someone was to invest one million pounds on a property in a total of about um, eight or nine different locations. How would how would the UK sit? Um, and we found that the UK would still be very attractive from a transaction tax basis compared with Sydney, Vancouver, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, so many other top investment locations where actually taxation on a, on an overseas investor is disproportionately much higher. Um, less, it looks less favorable versus the likes of New York, Paris, Berlin, some of the, some of the continental locations, but it should be noted that some of those other locations, New York, for instance, has a holding tax. So if you were to buy a property in New York, yes, it would be effectively more affordable on the way in, in terms of the transaction tax, but then you would pay, an annual tax for holding that property over time, which you don't pay for investing in the U in the UK. So actually over a period of time, over five, six years, the, the UK starts to look attractive again. And we would always encourage investors to be thinking over the long time long term. If they're looking to invest in the UK, we hope they're thinking of investing in UK PLC full stop. So so that's that's important to note. Um I think there's other one one other factor to to consider here which is a which is also a slightly interesting one there's been a, a real lower level of international investment activity in in the uk generally and in particular in london uh, through this past year through covid obviously yeah. for good reasons they haven't been able to travel and haven't been able to inspect property and um other factors at play that I mean they're waiting to see how things will play out we do expect activity to to uptick naturally as the as the world reopens for business as the uk reopens for business and obviously there's lots of positive news in the uk around the vaccine rollout it's going really well um so actually what we'll probably see though is a rise in activity anyway as this surcharge comes into play so it might be what the equivalent of a, a dampener on a rising market anyway okay. so it might be slightly difficult to tell did it actually cause activity to stop which would have naturally been and is naturally going to rise anyway 
yeah okay as the market opens up of course yeah. okay brilliant that's um that's been really really helpful nick it's been really good to chat to you about all of that i think we've got some really um good insights into the uk property market from the past year and looking into the future as well um if anyone listening is interested as well in reading up about investing in the uk then you can download a free uk investment guide from seven capitals website just head to sevencapital.com and of course all the research that nick's been talking about is um, I assume it's available on your um, JLL website as well. That's right, Sarah. Yeah. Easy Perfect. to find on the JLL website. Yeah. Brilliant. OK, so we've come to the end of our kind of chat about property. But before we let you go, Nick, we want to find a little bit more about the man behind the mic. So you've got five seconds to answer each of the following. So if you could only have one of each of the following for the rest of your life, what would it be? So the first one is one music album. Putting uh, you on the spot. <laughs> I'll go with uh, Middle of Nowhere by Orbital. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, one meal. Chinese takeaway. Nice. Oh, do you know what? That's made me want that tonight. <laughs> uh, one film. Back to the Future, part one. Great, great choice. Unless I'm actually. allowed the that's... whole trilogy. I'll take the trilogy if I can. You can have the trilogy. That's fine. It's such a great, such a great trilogy anyway. It's a proper classic, isn't it? Definitely. Okay, one TV show. Um, match of the day. Sports fan. Okay, yeah. football fan. Okay, and the final one. And this is what has so far given us some very interesting uh, answers. One luxury item. Oof, I'm not. Um, I'm not a man who wants for much, if I'm honest. Um, champagne. Although that's ah, now, this is my kind of answer, and we'll make that an ever ever flowing bottle of champagne. Yes, you've please. got to have it for the rest yeah. of your life. I'm <laughs> yeah. with you on this one. This is my favourite answer so far. <laughs> There you okay, go. brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for that, Nick. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, yeah. for... That's great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please check out the other episodes in our Seven Questions podcast series. And if you have any burning investment questions that you'd like to hear covered on Seven Questions, then please let us know. In the meantime, do give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review. And thanks again to Nick for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sarah. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>